Okay, well, we're through the miracle of technology. We are doing a remote podcast this afternoon. I'm in Yorktown, and Joey is in Pennsylvania. Elizabethtown. Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania, and we're doing this over the phone, Wait. so hopefully the quality is good enough for us to have a successful recording here. But thanks for joining us remotely, Joey. Um, thanks, man. Thanks we're, for downloading the app that is, I guess, recording us. It's amazing what you can find out there. Oh, and our um, phone's always recording anyways? Yes, but I don't have access that, to those recordings. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I need I need top secret clearance for that. Ah. Um, so we're going to be answering some questions from Pastor Joey's sermon this past Sunday on 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Um, the main uh, point of his sermon being as uh, in, we're in Christ as um believers, so we need to act as though we are in Christ, and Paul's challenge to the Corinthian church was, you're acting worldly, um, you're acting like the f- you are still of the flesh when you're really of Christ, and, and being in Christ means that you're going to look and act differently than the rest of the world does. I think you summarized, you answered all the questions with your That's summary it. of my sermon. That concludes our podcast for this afternoon. Yep. That was uh, short. That's it. I'm running out of minutes on my phone, so... <laughs> Uh, no, let's jump into the questions here. Uh, the first one here in, uh, is, how are we inter- to interpret, and this is a paraphrase, we are God's temple, and if we destroy God's temple, he will destroy you. Yeah, so, I mean, some of it is known in the context of the church of, in Corinth, and um, uh, we provided, uh, I know I mentioned this on Sunday, but we provided a neat resource for the uh, uh, for Coastal as we're kind of going chapter by chapter. Uh, preaching one chapter a week is... Um, a crazy pace, and so there's always something that we're going to have to neglect in our sermon. Um, that was a passage that I um, I needed to neglect this week um, in order to cover cover other aspects of that uh, of chapter three. Um, but uh, in our resource book, there's a uh, some background information uh, in the uh, it's the very first article that we've provided that I think can help give context that'll help shed light on the answer to that question, but. Um, I mean, Corinth, uh, as I mentioned on Sunday, they were plagued by, they were being uh, really influenced by pagan worshipers and the broader culture, and, and it was it, not just in um, um, the, their own worldly passions and, and sexual immorality and, and some of the things we see even as we move into chapter um, uh, uh, 5, uh, chapter 6, chapter 7 area, just in regards to uh, sexual immorality, but uh, they're being plagued by false teaching as well. In, in 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul's having to remind them of the bodily eternal resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so there are some false teachers that have um, entered into this local assembly, uh, and they're preaching um, uh, a gospel that's contrary to the gospel that the Apostle Paul taught. Uh, in Galatians 1.8, Paul says, let anybody be accursed that teaches a different gospel than um, than what we teach, uh, even if that person is an angel, and and so a part of that is um, when he when he makes that comment, and if any, anybody destroys God's temple or God's church, God's going to destroy him for God's temple is holy. Um, uh, I think there he he probably has um, false teachers in mind that are looking to tear down. Uh, the church of God that's built on uh, the foundation that Christ is risen from the grave. Um, and so I think it's a stern warning to persevere in the profession or the, uh, the confession that the apostles 
um, particularly Apostle Paul and, and then uh, and then not an apostle but Apollos uh, uh, preached to this early church and uh, and certainly that that was in danger at this point which is why the the letter was penned in the first place I mean it's it's a rebuke. Uh, uh, in, in its tone, uh, you see that we'll, we'll see that more and more as we go through the chapters that the Apostle Paul is sternly rebuking the church at Corinth. That includes their leaders, um, and he's doing so in a way where he's con- concerned for their souls. And so there is this tension there of he's addressing them as brothers, but he's also warning them to be who they already are, which is the redeemed. Um, and so I think that's um, that's a piece of what that verse is getting at uh, in particular. But uh, but certainly the resource that we've provided, those articles can help to supplement um, that, uh, help help whoever wrote that question in to, to understand that a little bit more. Um, I think grasping the context of the culture will help. Which is certainly, I mean, the, that, that warning is applicable in our culture today as well of, you know, the importance of, of knowing God's word and, and not building on the wrong foundation of um, false doctrine. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Um, the next question here is, what does God poured out all his wrath mean? And, um, you know, in the context of God pouring his wrath out on Christ at his crucifixion. Yeah, I mean, I, I know they, they picked up that from I, something I said several times in the sermon. Um, I probably end up saying that at some point in just about any sermon that I preach, Um but uh, what I'm trying to get at is that for the believer, um, for those who are in Christ, all their sins have been paid for. God, God doesn't have any wrath left for those that are in Christ because he poured all his wrath out for the believer on Christ 2,000 years ago. So the sins of our past, the sins of our present, the sins of our future, God poured all his wrath out on Christ. Christ took all of those sins. Um, and he's not being re-crucified for our future sin, our present sins, our future sins. He was crucified once, it is finished, all God's wrath poured out on Christ. And so that's the declaration Paul makes in Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation because God doesn't have any wrath left over for the believer. Uh, he does have wrath reserved for those who aren't in Christ. So when I use that language, that that's that's what I mean when I say that. Um, does that make sense? I think so. Um, I'm not the person that asked the question, mm. but I'm sure that... If it's not clear to you... So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I think... And that's the importance of remembering the cost of our salvation. Is, mm. You know, Christ Christ bore the wrath of our sins for us. Um, yeah. And we don't take that lightly as Christians. Yeah. We understand that we were bought with a with, at a high price. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's humbling to I mean to to know I know my own wicked heart uh, and to know that um, uh, I mean God demonstrates His love for us and that while we were sinners Christ died for us that He He, he knows my wickedness yet Christ still died and His righteousness is given to me is is cast on to me that makes me. Uh, you know the reason why Paul spends so much time on that in First Corinthians is that that is the basis by which he's commending the Corinthian church to repent of their sins. And if we don't understand that, if we don't feel the weightiness of the high cost of the gospel, 
we're, we certainly aren't going to be motivated enough to persevere in our um, repentance. Yeah, and I think that you know that's that was the main point of of what your um, sermon was, and ties into kind of the last question here is talking about the Corinthian church as believers. Paul addresses the, addresses them as brothers, um, and you know. So the question here is, um, in relation to our position in Christ and Joey's comments about the Corinthians as brothers, can you expand by sharing the beauty of Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 in relation to James 2, 14 uh, through 26? Yeah, well, I mean, Ephesians 2, 8, I mean, uh, chapter 2, 8, and 9, I mean, is that familiar passage? By grace you've been saved through faith, not your own doing. It's a gift from God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. And then the latter part that's often forgotten about is verse 10, for where God's workmanship created in Christ mm-hmm. Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so a big piece of what my sermon was on um, Sunday was I wanted to offer the go- uh, the gospel, and I wanted to make it clear that the gospel isn't, contingent on us being good enough to earn it and because we can't be good enough to earn it we also can't lose it and that's because it's rooted in the character of god alone and so it would have been easy i even found myself tempted you're reading through the um just these gross sins of corinth i mean what there's a incest in chapter five and um there's the self-righteous spirit that kind of swells up in me when i'm reading it and i'm thinking no these people are not christians um, but that's not what Paul does. He greets them as brothers, and that's why I spent so much time on that because that's so astonishing to me. Um, uh, it's just a reminder that God's ways aren't my ways. His thoughts aren't my thoughts. I mean, God, um, the salvation of the Corinthian church is rooted in the righteousness of Christ, not in not in them. And I wanted that to be clear, and I wanted to, to offer that without any contingency um, because that, um, if there is if there is some sort of uh, if I have to be a certain way in order to even maintain my salvation, I'm going to lose my salvation. Uh, and so we're um, uh, God. God ordained salvation before the foundation of the world. He concluded it in the person work of Christ, and the Holy Spirit lives in us and perseveres us in that confession. Uh, now, when where James chapter two comes in, um, I'll read it. Uh, verse four. You said verse fourteen to what? Uh, 14 through 26, at the end of, the end of chapter oh, okay. 2. okay, just that piece. I'll just read a, a piece. Of, I mean, the, the gist is that it, uh, the gist of it is, um, uh, faith without works is dead. Is what that right. Little section is on for those of you guys who are listening. Um, uh, I mean, I, it's, it's not in conflict with you're saved by the person and work of Jesus Christ alone. And so this is, I mean, if the Holy Spirit's living in us, um, the old man is dying out. Right? We're, new, we're new creatures in Christ. Uh, therefore, we should be exhibiting fruit. Um, it, it certainly doesn't seem like that at the Church of Corinth, but um, there had to have been some fruit there. Um, and, and, and certainly, there had to be a perseverance of the faith. And so for Corinth... Um, for all of us to remain where we are, the Holy Spirit in us is going to produce these good, godly works. We should be growing in our sanctification. But even that we can't boast about. That's something that God produces in us. 
Um, and so the gospel shouldn't, you know, me me on Sunday talking about um, uh, having clarity on the gospel in regards that it's rooted in the character of God and offered freely in Christ Jesus. Uh, those who have been truly converted by the gospel, they don't hear that and say, well, man, let me sin so grace may abound. Right? Paul also mm-hmm. says, by, you know, shouts, by no means are we to respond in that kind of way. Um, and so that that's not what it does in uh, genuine believers. Um, people whose hearts have been captivated by the gospel, they feel the high cost of the gospel. Um, they know that Christ died. Um, he died so that we could be reconciled to God. And uh, and so out of a gratefulness that only the Holy Spirit in us can produce, um, we boast in the Lord because of that. And so to me, that's the, that's the fruit part, which is what I ended on on Sunday morning. Is And what do we do in response to this great gospel that's been provided for us in Christ Jesus? We boast in the Lord. And a part of boasting in the Lord is just corporate worship it's it's also daily worship it's it's dying to self and it's it's uh understanding we've been crucified with christ and and um and so i i, I don't these aren't in con- you know these aren't in contradiction with one another james two and and the gospel being rooted in the works of christ so aren't in contradiction with one another james two is there is this assumption that man only someone who has been saved by the righteousness of christ alone can even bear good works good fruit um, because the Holy Spirit in him is producing that fruit. Um, and so that's how I would harmonize that. Um, but that fruit does not make you in any better standing with God. Uh, well, that was the, and you, you drew that point in your sermon. You talked about that, you know, the Corinthian church positionally, they've already been declared righteous. Yeah. Um, and but, yeah, yeah. Paul's but challenge practically them was living they weren't they living position. that out, right? Yeah. That's exactly right. And I, you know, the, if the response, um, if the response to the, the letter that Paul writes to them is repentance, um, then then you see the you know the true believer there. But if they if their heart is hardened to what he's the truth of what he's saying, then then there's no repentance there, and they're not gonna they're not going to produce fruit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's kind of reminiscent of the the that Hebrews three passage. I think we bring this up every now and then, but that take care, brothers, lest there be mm-hmm. in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And then he concludes with this thought: For we've come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Now, that's not a workspace salvation. That's saying that those who the Lord has captured will persevere to the end, and those mm-hmm. that don't persevere. We're never captured with the gospel in the first place. Um, that seems murky to us, the side of eternity, but it's not to God. Um, right. So. Yeah, man. All right. That may be record time podcast. We took care of those questions. Was that? Well, hopefully the uh, yeah, hopefully the recording uh, is a good enough quality to where we didn't just spend twenty minutes doing this for nothing. So. If the recording didn't work, just fill in the answers for me. Can you just do that? that that'll, that's fine. Okay. That, that sounds good. Now, thanks, small group leaders and those of you that are in small groups that um, are listening to this. And I know that people even outside of small groups are listening to this. Uh, we hope these things are beneficial for you and um, look forward to being back with you guys this um, coming Sunday morning. And thanks, Josh, for calling me, man. Yeah, thanks, Joey, for um, for 
uh, working it out to make this happen still, even though you're out of town. And um, like Joey mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, um, there are additional sermon booklets available at the Welcome Center. So if you're here on a Sunday or, or if you want to stop by during the week, um, during office hours, please come and grab one of those. Uh, it'll be great, uh, a great supplement for you as we go through this series. And like Joey said, that there's just not enough time on Sunday mornings to, to really dig in as deep as we could um, in in this book. So that um, resource guide will really um, supplement what we're doing on Sundays. And as always, if you have any questions uh, from the sermon, email them to us, sermonquestions at gocoastal.org. Uh, we record this on Tuesday afternoon, so if you get those into us by then, we'll do our best to work them into the podcast and address your questions. And that will do it for us this afternoon. Uh, thanks, Joey. Excellent. Thanks, Josh. And we'll talk to you next week.